How many, how many of you can say that you have grown closer to the Lord in times of suffering than in times of comfort? How many would agree with that? And there's a role that suffering plays in all of our lives. This is the third and last uh, message that we're going to be addressing, the lost art of lament. And we've talked about uh, the difference between lament and grief. Grief is just mourning, but lament is a process that believers have practiced uh, since thousands of years ago. And the process of lament is, number one, being transparent with the Lord. Everyone say transparent. It's the same way that you love when your children are transparent with you most of the time. <laughs> How many of you love when your children are transparent with you about what they're mad at you about? Because <laughs> there's two options. One is that they're transparent and honest, and the other is that they just let it simmer and they don't tell you. How many of you like it when they tell you? Some of us? It's not pleasant, but I'd rather have that than it simmering especially with the spouses, right? You'd rather just it out in the open. But the second thing is after we're transparent with the Lord, we don't just leave it there, but we reflect and we recount of the goodness of God and how it reflects on his character. When we look at the past and what God has done in our lives in the past, it allows us to go to that, the final step of looking to our future with hope. And an eternal hope in the promises of what he's had. So lament is much different than grief. Grief is just to have affected us, but then recounting the hope because we know that his promises are certain. Amen? And so the first week we talked about the process of lament, which we just talked about now. The second week we talked about what lament teaches us about ourselves. Because every time we go through suffering, there's lessons to learn. And we're going to close off today by talking about and having God speak to our hearts about the joy and the reward of lament. God doesn't want us just to process sorrow, but there is a reward. There is an end result of everything that happens in our lives if we, take, uh, if we take sorrow in our lives as what he intends for it to be. Um, I remember, how many of you like to struggle? I don't. Nobody likes to struggle here. Um, I've told this story before, but it's a great story. Um, I hate lifting weights. I'm not big and buff like my dad. He's the only 78-year-old I know that does deadlifts and uh, all that stuff. But I remember when I was in college, I wanted to get bigger. And the only way that you get bigger is you have to rip the muscles that you currently have so that they tear and then they regrow to be bigger and stronger than your present muscles, right? And so I thought, I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to go and I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to get big and buff like Ryan Nakao right there. <laughs> Ryan, take off your shirt and stand up. <laughs> and so I remember going for the first time in my life going to a gym. I've never went to a gym before, but I heard UH had a great gym, so I went to this gym. And there was the UH Rainbow uh, basketball players, the Wahini basketball players, and they were all lifting weights. And they all looked like Nani Vickers. Six feet six, you know, whatever, these tall Amazon women. And they were sitting down and, you know, doing bench presses. And I, I thought in my mind, oh, they're girls. I can do the same thing that the girls are doing. 
And so I set up right next to one of the wahinis, and I looked at the weights that she had, <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to do the same thing. So I picked up, and I remember there were like 45-pound plates on each side and other plates, and I don't remember the exact weight because I'm not a weightlifter, but I just remember I did the exact amount of weights, and I, where are you going? Oh, people are hot. You're invisible, Zach. So, um, so I remember putting the plates on, and I went down on the bench, and this girl on the side, she just like, and, and as I picked the weights up, I'm like, man, these are heavy. I remember thinking this, like, man, these are heavy. And I thought, it must be lighter once you're under it. That was my thought, like, it must be lighter when you get under it. And I put it on, I put all the plates on, and I'm like, man, I get under it, and I'm like looking at her, <laughs> and I take it off, and I'm like, whoa, and it just like falls on my chest, and I can't get it back up. And so I'm just like lying there on the bench, and I'm like looking over at her, and she's just like doing this deal. And she looks at me, and she's like, you need help. And I remember, I remember saying, nah, I get him. And I like sat up so that the weights were on my, my, my lap. And then I lifted it up and one side, like all the weights fell off on one side. And then all the weights fell off on the other side. And I, there's weights all over the ground. And, like, bah, bah. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. I didn't even pick up the weights. I just put it down and I walked out. I never went back there. Um, But I was willing to go through the suffering and the pain so that I could grow. And in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, the suffering and pain in our lives is because God wants to help us to grow. There's this story of uh, Tyler Perry, uh, and he had an interview with Oprah. And he was explaining the beginning of his career that he, he was, you know, he had no success, he had no money. And so he was, he was um, getting to the end of the month, and he didn't have rent. And so... He, call, he did what every young man does when they don't have money. They call their mom. And so he calls his mom and says, Mom, I need help. I need rent. It's getting to the end of the month. I'm going to get evicted. Can you please send some money? And so she says, I got exactly what you need. And she mails him a Bible. And so one week goes by, and he's like, he opens it up, and he sees that there's a Bible in the mail. And so he calls his mom back, and he's, he says, Mom, I don't need a Bible. I need money. I'm going to get evicted. And she said, read your Bible. And he got mad. He's, you know, mad at his mother. And so another week goes by. He's waiting for the check. The check doesn't come. So he calls his mom again. He's like, I'm ready to get evicted. This is this, I'm two weeks late. My landlord's going to kick me out. She said, have you read your Bible? And he said, no. And she said, read your Bible. And so, so he, he, he's all mad with his mom. He's like, Whatever. So he picks up his Bible, he opens it, and there's thousands of dollars that she put in the Bible for his rent. And she, he felt so bad, he called his mom, and he's like, I'm so sorry that I was mad at you for giving you, me this Bible. And she said, you know, that's an object lesson that I wanted to teach you, that everything that you need is in that Bible, and you need to open it. And he said that that lesson never le left him, and if you talk to him now, he's a very strong person in his faith, but it's because of the upbringing that his mother gave him. And a lot of times in our lives, God gives us blessings that are disguised 
as suffering. It's the least obvious place or the least expected place that we look for to find blessing in suffering. Suffering is the last place that we would look for to find blessing. But a lot of times God gives us this book of suffering and in it are the blessings that he has for us to take us to the next level of our lives. And so as we look at suffering and we're going through this series of lament, God wants us to change our perspective. That even though there's things that are traumatic, even though there's things that are unexpected uh, and uncertain in our lives, God wants to use those things to make us stronger. Everyone say stronger. Amen. Let's, let's. So when he gives us this gift of suffering, there is a way to unlock it. And we're going to talk about unlocking the blessings of suffering this morning. How many of you want to know the way to unlock the blessings of suffering in your life? Would that change your life this morning if you could unlock every suffering and turn those sufferings into blessing? How many of you, your life would be different if you could do that? You could t take what the enemy intended for evil and allow the Lord to use it for good. We're going to look at that this morning. Uh, let's read the scripture together, Isaiah 61, 3. One, two, three. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, and I want you to underline that in your notes if you have your notes this morning. Mourn in Zion. To give them beauty, a beautiful headrest instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God, we just thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts and our lives this morning and change and transform our perspective so that you can change and transform the fruit that comes out of our lives. Lord, I know that there's so much of us that have gone through suffering in the past uh, several months uh, with Lahaina and the different things that our community has gone through. But Lord, these things can be a gift if we take these things and unlock these things so that you can use them as blessings in our lives. Lord, we lament and we're honest, Lord, about the pain that we have encountered. But Lord, we look to you with hope in the future, knowing that you are good to perform the promises that you have given to us. We come to your word this morning expectant that you can change and transform us. Do that in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen, amen. There's four different aspects that I want to look at this morning that in suffering, we can find that Jesus is our companion in suffering, number one. Number two, he is our provider in time of need. Number three, he delivers us from the oppression of others. And number four, that he forgives our offenses that we have made toward others. All of these things can be found in suffering. But the key in the scripture of him changing and transforming our mourning into joy all comes from those two words, mourn in Zion. It's like a, it's, it's very uh, counterintuitive. But Zion in scripture, Zion in Hebrew, is translated to be praise. And when we mourn in praise, in a place of praise, when we mourn in a place of lamenting, where we're mourning, but in that mourning, we are praising God for his faithfulness in the past and for what he's going to do in the future. 
it unlocks all of the blessings that God wants to give us in our lives. This scripture, Isaiah 63.9, and I'm going to be reading through Isaiah 63 uh, and Isaiah 61. And the context of Isaiah is that during this period of time, Judah was enslaved by the Persian Empire. And they were in exile. They were forced out of their homes. All of their places were burnt down. Many of them were killed because of war. They lost their families. They lost their homes. They lost everything. And if you read through the prophets, the whole, all of the prophets, the theme is lament. It's sorrow. It's repentance. But in all of these prophets, we find the greatest scriptures of hope. Our, one of the greatest scriptures that we all love, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? How many of you know Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. That promise was given in the darkest moments of Israel's history. And it's in the darkest moments of our lives that God gives us the greatest promises if we can recount his goodness and praise him for what, who he is. This scripture, Isaiah 63, 9, it talks about the character of God and what he feels when we go through suffering. Let's read this together. One, two, three. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Isaiah 61 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted. God feels the affliction that we, that we feel when we're going through a difficult time. He doesn't just observe and watch, but it says that in our affliction that He is afflicted. When you see your child or your spouse going through a very difficult time, how many of you just look at that and say, Oh, it sucks to be you? Like most of us, when we see our child, I remember watching my daughter go through her first breakup and she was like crying every night and I wish I could take that pain away and it hurt me to see her so hurt. In her affliction, I was aff afflicted and I had some strong words for her boyfriend. God in the same way, when we go through stuff, it says he is afflicted in our affliction. He feels what we feel. And, and when we were in Israel, the first time that I saw this scripture in this light was through Aryeh, and he said that his father-in-law was very hard. He went through the Holocaust. He actually went to the camps. He saw all of his family members persecuted and many of them killed and experienced that uh, genocide of the, that generation and whenever, and he would work as a carpenter with his father-in-law, and he said that if he ever brought up God, he just would get very upset because he would say, how could God allow this to happen? How could God do this? And just watch us get slaughtered. I don't want to have anything to do with this God. And he said that he saw this scripture, and he, he shared this scripture with his father-in-law. And he said for the first time, his father-in-law broke down crying and said, he felt what we felt. He was afflicted in our affliction. 
And he said that his father-in-law came to know the Lord through that scripture, understanding that God himself feels pain when we feel pain. If you, if you look at this scripture, Isaiah 63, that's a revelation. We don't just come up with that. Isaiah didn't just come up with that. God revealed that to him. And how did God reveal that to him? We, it's not in your notes, but in Isaiah 63, verse 7, Isaiah 63, verse 7, it's, Isaiah says, I will recount. Everyone say recount. Isaiah said, I will recount. So he's in this place of extreme turmoil and pain. And in that place of turmoil and pain, he said, I'm going to remember. I'm going to recount. What is he going to recount? All of the, the sorrow and the, the bad and the, the suffering? No. He says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted, past tense, them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Isaiah, in his pain, he mourned in Zion. He mourned in praise. He said, I'm going to recount the goodness of God. And when he recounted the goodness of God, God gave him the revelation in the very next scripture. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. He redeemed them and lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Isn't that powerful? That when we praise God in our suffering, it unlocks revelation into the character of God and the goodness of him in our lives. There's a, there's a, um, uh, a scripture and a, a poem that I read many years ago, and it was uh, at the funeral of um, uh, the Castellan's son. And um, I want to put that up uh, this morning. And many of you know, uh, know this, this poem. And you can't read that. I'll read it. But it says, One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there was two sets of footprints. Other times there was only set, a set of one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there have only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you the most, you were not there for me? And the Lord replied, the times when you see only one set of footprints in the sand is when I carried you. Now, there, a lot of times when we're going through pain, we're unaware of the hand around us that supports us. And God, in his love, a revelation was given to Isaiah, and he said that in Israel's affliction, he was afflicted, and he carried them. God carries us. How do we get through our suffering? How do we get through our pain? A lot of times we get through it, and we're like, I have no idea how I made it through that period of time. And it's because God carried us. Whether we are aware of it or not, the hand of the Lord supports us in the most difficult times, especially those 
who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Romans 8. He's not just our companion in suffering, but he is our provider in time of need. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. How many of you, don't have to raise your hand, how many of you feel poor? If you feel poor, there's good news for you. And the good news is that God is our provider. And he, the spirit of the Lord was upon Isaiah and upon Jesus to preach good news to the poor. That good news is that he is our provider. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, there's a story in scripture that I never understood and I thought is pretty um, messed up. And the story is of the widow. Uh, the story of the widow in um, in 1 Kings 17. And uh, the widow has like, this is a time in Israel's history where they had very little. There was a drought in the land and nobody had uh Nobody had abundance of anything. There was a lack of food. There was a lack of uh, goods. And it says, uh, in this environment, the word of the Lord came to him. This is Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region uh, of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and he came to the, the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and please bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal so my, myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home, do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf of bread from what you have. Bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as, as, as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is the promise of God that in our time of need, if we're generous to others, God will take what we give to him and he'll multiply it back to us. And we've seen that so many times here in uh, our church, in our experience with uh, what's going on in Lahaina. It's like the more that we give, the more God gives and blesses. And we serve a God that honors faith. And when we take the little that we have and we say, God, I give it to you, the little that we have, he multiplies it and gives it back. He's our provider in time of need. And it's interesting that in time of pain, he asks us to praise. In time of lack, he asks us to give. And those are the keys to go from a natural 
frame of mind and a natural way of living to a supernatural way of living, to go from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God. It takes faith. Amen? Amen? It's not, it's not easy, but it's amazing when it happens, when we obey and God delivers. The last thing, the last two things. He delivers us from the oppression of others. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to pro- proclaim liberty to the captives. Um, how many of you have ever felt imprisoned by the offenses of others in your life? And one of the things God calls us to do, in the same way that he calls us to praise when we're in pain, to give when we have lack, he calls us to forgive when we're offended. Everything in the kingdom is upside down. But the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Um, When we forgive, God releases us from our prison Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness eats up everything inside of us. And that's the way that the enemy tries to steal our call, to steal our joy, to steal our peace. Is, and it keeps us bound in this prison of bitterness. And the way that we're released from this prison of bitterness is to receive forgiveness from God and to, to give it to others. That brings us to our last point, that he forgives our offenses toward others. Not only does he release us from the offenses people have caused us, but it says the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You're only in prison when you do something bad to somebody else. And what what God does is he forgives us and he releases us from our prison so that we can release others from theirs. One of the things that we do at Grace Bible Church every week is take communion. And it's so important that we receive forgiveness from God because we cannot give what we don't receive. So this morning, if you would take your communion cup, peel off the top. In suffering, if we praise God in our suffering, he reveals himself as our companion. He reveals himself as a provider. He delivers us from the oppression of others, and he also forgives us for our offenses that we have committed toward one another. We were praying uh, this past Wednesday, and as we were praying for Israel, um, I saw a picture. How many of you have, have been burdened by what's going on in Israel and in Gaza? with so many people dying, innocent lives dying on both sides. And the conflict has gone for generations, and everybody wants peace. And I saw a vision of a boy under a Jewish flag 
and another boy under a Palestinian flag. And they were faced one another, kneeling and praying with communion in the middle. The only way that we find peace in conflict is through the blood of Christ. The reason why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace is because it's only through Jesus that this world will find peace. It's not through bombs, it's not through killing, it's not through war, it's through people understanding who Jesus Christ is, receiving that forgiveness, and then extending that forgiveness to those around us. And our little part in Hawaii, on the opposite side of the world, is that we can receive forgiveness and grace from God so that we can, in our small community, in our small way, extend that grace to our coworker, extend that grace to somebody who is bitter and maybe hates us, hates God. But if we can be that light, it will have ripple effects across the world. And God's people is his battlefront in this world to advance his kingdom of peace. Amen. So God, we just thank you for your body that was broken for us, that through your body we can find healing. We can find healing in our minds, healing in our relationships. God, there's some people in here that are going through very tough times in their relationships with their spouses, in their relationships with family members. God, it's only through your broken body. Your broken body gives us healing. We're not to get that healing from other people treating us right or from other people to do what, they're, what we feel they're supposed to do. God, our healing comes through you. And so this morning, God, we take the bread that represents your broken body. And God, I pray that as we take the bread this morning, Lord, that you would heal hearts that have been broken, that you would heal minds, minds that are experiencing trauma, Lord, that you would heal bodies that are broken. Lord, stripes were placed on your body. It says that through your stripes that we find healing. And so, God, we take your broken body this morning, and we thank you for the healing that you give. In Jesus' name, you can take the bread. God, we also thank you for your blood that was shed and the cup that represents forgiveness of our sin. Lord, every single one of us deserve death. Every single one of us have walked away from you. But Lord, you didn't count our sins against us. Lord, when we were sinners, it says in Romans that you died for us because you loved us, not because you were obligated, not because you felt that you were compelled. Lord, you loved us and you provided forgiveness through your blood. And so we thank you for it. We know that it's, it comes at a great cost. And in the same way that you gave your life for us, God, we pray that we, you would give us the grace to surrender our life, to surrender our rights to those that you have given us to love. In Jesus' name, you can go ahead and take the cup. How many of you are grateful for what Jesus did for us and for the call that he has on all of our lives. God, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence here. 
God, you see every tear, you see every hurt and pain that we go through. And God, it's in these times that you build strength in our hearts and lives. That even though there's temporary pain and temporary sorrow, God, that through these things, you can develop us into the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, that you will use your people to be trees, oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that you would be glorified. God, there's a strength that you are bringing to this congregation. There's a strength that you're bringing to the lives of the people here through suffering and through pain. God, that, that you're building a foundation that cannot be shaken. You're building a people who cannot be shaken by the economy, by loss of life, by tragedy, because our faith is founded in you. God, thank you for what you're creating under the surface of pain. Lord, that you're creating a people who look like, walk like, think like your son. And we pray that you would give us the grace to be your hands and feet to our community, to love the way that you love. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Uh, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Uh, let, let the Lord uh, fill you and use you to be a blessing to our community. God bless you. Have a great week.